This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. I want to bring Don Robertson in. Don Robertson, general manager, associate, I don't know what his title is. He's got a lot of stuff to do with the Dundas Real McCoys, whose sweatshirt he's wearing today, who uh, found themselves, they won their first playoff series against Brantford and now find themselves down one nothing to Stony Creek after uh, game one of your series. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott. Uh, and you guys, are you guys coming back to win this one, or is this uh, is Stony Creek winning this series? Stony Creek are, <laughs> um, um, I think, trying to pick the dates for the next series as we speak. So we uh, handled Brantford rather well, and um, bec- there's so much hockey this time of the year, and these guys got jobs and families and everything else. Stony Creek were chomping a bit to get ready. We'd played two that week. So we had five guys we would like to have had in the lineup. But uh, you know what? That's why we play the games. We're going to go back at them this Friday in Dundas and back home in Dundas next Monday. So we're going to get at it pretty fast, and we'll see how they play in our rink. They're pretty talented. So it's Dundas at 7.30 on Friday, Stony Creek at 7.15 on Saturday, and Dundas at 7.30 on Monday. Monday. Yep. Week tonight. I guess I won't be here. Week tonight. That's right. Well, you could skip the game and coach from here. Yeah, it might help. (laughs) Well, let's let's stick with hockey to start out with today. Uh, an area you know well, the NHL general managers meeting meetings are going on right now in somewhere I don't even know where it is. Somewhere very warm, I'm sure, Boca Raton, Florida. They don't. Uh, interesting that the NHL general managers don't ever meet in Cheektowaga or Minnesota. They have or, a team. Right? You know, they, it's always got to be in Boca Raton, which I've never quite understood. You would like to think they would support the. I mean, I suppose they could say they're supporting the Florida franchises, but... You know what? I think I understand. <laughs> but they are talking... They What they did today and yesterday, I guess, is they they decided to throw open any ideas. Let's just let's just blue sky the ideas for, for hockey going forward. No, we're not saying this is going to happen, but give us your craziest thoughts of what you could possibly see that we could tinker with in the game to maybe make things more interesting. And again, very unlikely that any of these would be adopted, but let me get your thoughts on a couple or a few of these things that they came out with as their craziest ideas. And frankly, I'm a little surprised these are the craziest ideas they could come out with. I think these are these are interesting ideas. None of these what I describe as crazy ideas. The crazy ideas come out after nine o'clock at night, when there's no meetings. Right. Um, no, these these are interesting ideas. I would say that if these are the craziest ideas NHL general managers can come up with, part of the problem is then they are not very creative people. But anyway, first idea in the different in each zone. Right between the net and the blue line, you've got two face-off circles right now. One on the left of the goalie, one on the right. Abandon that, have one face-off circle right smack dab in the middle. Been talked about before. Been talked about before. The idea, they say, is too often right off the face-off, you end up with the puck against the boards and it's just a scrum along the boards. Maybe this way we keep the puck in play in the middle of the ice. What do you think? I, I mean, I guess it would change it. I don't know if it would garner a whole lot more results than they're already doing. I mean, when the puck goes to the boards, generally it gets kicked to the defenseman or kicked back into the corner and the play goes on. So it it might. I mean, I'd have to see it. I just don't see a... Do you see any chance that centers might try to change what they do in the face-off and try and shoot the face, shoot the puck right towards the goalie off the drop? I don't You can't do that. I mean, you, the only way you can do that is when the face-off dots are in the corners. 
No, what I'm saying, if it's directly, if the puck is directly in front, if the circle is directly in front they, of the goalie in the slot. That guy never won a draw. I mean, he's, th- so there's, there's just no way you can turn the puck drop into a shot with the other guy can see what you're going to do. He's going to block your stick. So I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I have seen it before. Um, Once in a while, if there's like a half a second left on the clock, a guy will try to do that. Yep. Just, to, you know, it's a desperation move. But and try, and, try and shoot it straight ahead with enough velocity to get the goaltender, who, by the way, should be outside his crease and have the entire net blocked. I mean, it, I, I don't see that working. Uh, they discussed having the face-off circle become a face-off rectangle to keep players further out. So, you have again, you have it right in front. It's not, not two anymore. It's one in front, but the circle is a giant rectangle now, so that got the there's more space when the puck is dropped. Although I, I For what to happen? It's a good question. I suppose that they say then that the centers will be able to have more space to work, but again, it doesn't seem to make much sense because the puck is dropped and pulled back or pushed forward well, and... They Unless, cheat. They cheat on the faceoffs anyway. So they're going to cheat on the rectangle, and then you're going to have a big kerfuffle see, because it's slowing down the game. And here's here's again where why don't they just get rid of any 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 restrictions on? Well, let the guys go right in. Let all let all six of them take the faceoff. Or, or or if you're going to win again, when they say we wanted to come up with blue sky ideas and crazy ideas, why not say listen, every faceoff that's in the zone, except for the two centermen, everyone else has to be on the other side of center ice. So you drop it, and then it's a race to get back into the zone. And if you can win the face-off, you can control it while your guys are coming. I mean, look, I'm not p- proposing that. I'm saying if you want to have a crazy idea, these ideas are, are interesting, but they're hardly way out there. That would be way out there. You line up for a face-off, the two centermen are the only two that are in the zone. Everyone else is behind center. Puck is dropped, boom, there you, away you go. Well, I'll give you a better one than that and... and, and um I would say every time the goaltender freezes the puck, the referee is just going to give it, throw it down on the ice for the offensive team, and none of the defenders can be inside the hash marks. So the referee throws it in the corner, and all three offensive guys, it's just all three offensive guys and the goaltender, and the D guys can't be inside the dot or the hash marks. Then watch scoring go up. Point system, they propose. Um, now this one, again, not... a. Goofy idea at all. In fact, this one, I, I, the idea is many people have had an issue with the fact that if you win a game in regulation, you win two points, the other team gets zero. That game is worth two points as a result. If it goes to overtime, you get two, the other team gets one. That game is worth three points. You have different layers of games that doesn't make any sense. A game has to be worth a standard amount is what the critics are saying. So... Let's go back to a tie. Let's go back to saying Lou Lamorello, the Leafs general manager, said, I got no problem with a tie. What's the, what's the matter with a tie? Why, why is it a big deal? Why is it a big sadness for fans to walk out of the building if they saw a tie? And I agree with him a thousand percent. I've never understood the idea that a tie somehow is an unacceptable result. If you play even, what's wrong with a tie? Baseball doesn't like it. Basketball doesn't like it. Football doesn't like it. I understand that. They all want to have winners. What's the matter with being different? I think what the NHL did when they when they brought overtime and, and that type of adventure in shootouts and everything else, they know they're in the entertainment business. And when Lou Lamorello was winning Stanley Cups, he was more than happy to win a lot of games 2-1. 
And that brought a lot of the new rules in because they're saying this thing is boring. We're trying to sell it to the American fans, and they want winners and losers because they're used to them, and they want to be entertained. And watching a left-wing lock and a you know, right-ankle struggle and a trap is not entertaining. So Okay, two points for whichever team wins, and you must have a winner. So you don't get a point for taking it to overtime. You just, two points are presented to the team that wins, period. So no reward for losing. No reward for losing. Um, I like our league's idea. Dave Marone, uh, Maroney from uh, Thrill brought it up, not this year, the year before, and said, why don't we have every game worth three points? So it's consistent. And if you win, you get three points. Win in regulation. And Win in regulation. So there's always three points awarded. And I thought it was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard of. And I, but then again, I think the coaches should wear fedoras on the hat and hats on the bench and so on. So, you know, I'm really old school, but I really like it. I mean, when you've got to catch somebody in the standings and you've got three games left and you're six points behind, you can get nine points. And that's likely how they got ahead of you. But I, I, I don't mind that three point thing at all. And I can tell you that it has brought out some more exciting hockey towards the end of the game. And guys aren't just hanging on thinking, you know what, we already got a point. Maybe we'll get two, like the old tie. Because if you go now, you get three points. And well, the teams that needed the three points played harder, and it was more exciting. So I'm looking at the standings for this year. Uh, Stony Creek was first. They had 55. Whitby was second with 51. Thorold 37. Brantford 37. Dundas 20. Hamilton 16. Do you believe, though... Because the knock against this in the NHL is that they want to have everybody bunched up so everybody is in the mix until the end of the year. They don't want any teams eliminated until the last day of the year, ideally. But did that cause some of the teams in your league to be... We played Hamilton their second-to-last home game and put them out of the playoffs. So so it didn't necessarily... It didn't, didn't have any effect on us. I mean, all the games mattered except Hamilton's last home game. It was the only game that was um, of no consequence to them. And on the last weekend, um, Brantford lost two to Stony Creek and meant they had to play us in a preliminary round, and then we whacked them out. So I I think it was fine. I don't think Brantford thinks it was fine, but it was fine. Last idea they came up with, and and this one I actually, uh, again, not a new idea. Bob Gainey, when he was the Montreal Canadiens GM, proposed this back in 2008. And then it went on the shelf and everyone laughed at him back then. Oh, Bob, you're so goofy. You're, you know, you're whatever. And now they're all saying, hey, you know, maybe Bob was onto something. His idea is this. Players cannot leave their feet to block a shot. You cannot fall down in front of a shot to block a shot. Now, you can still block it if you want to get in the way of it. But you can't have guys sprawling in the way. You can't have guys going down on one knee. You can't have guys. Now, you, you want to... Uh, an Allen Cup with Jay McKee, who was among the NHL's best ever shot blockers. I, I frankly, I don't know how the guy is still alive. Uh, some of the stuff that, it. some of the stuff. I mean, even in senior hockey, he was. He, I, he stopped one, I think, in the in one of your Allen Cup games with his collarbone. I think that I, I thought was going to kill him. Um, but the idea would be, you know, if guys can't, if if you're at the blue line and you take a shot and it doesn't have to go through eight bodies to get to the net there's a better chance you're going to see some scoring and some rebounds and some more chances as opposed to in the playoffs, they just line up in front of the blue line and nobody can get a puck through. The The art of blocking shots off your feet is almost a dead art. 
I mean, it used to be really good when guys go down and block shots with their knee pads and so on, but it doesn't happen much anymore, so I don't think it would change the game a whole lot right now. One thing I would be interested to see, what does he mean by blocking shots? And if there's a two-on-one or the or there's a defenseman chasing a guy in a corner and he sprawls with his stick to prevent a pass, now the, if they're going to prevent it from... Um, uh, if a guy can't leave his feet to pre- prevent a pass, which you will see periodically from a defenseman, so the guy can't get it out in front of the net, is that a shot or a pass? Well, and so you'll end up, like with everything in every league now, if you go back and look at the NHL rulebook from about 1972, it was the size of one of your Fortinos flyers that you get in your paper every week. I mean, there was almost nothing to it. Now, honestly, if you were to... to get the NHL rule book. Now you put it on a t- desk and it's like, it just, it drops like a, th- it, so you gotta be a Philadelphia lawyer to read it. And you would add another five or six pages if you were going to put in the block shot thing, because you're right. Okay. What if he does this? Well, what if this happens? What if this is the thing? What does leave your feet mean? What if he's already fallen down? What if he'd been knocked down and the puck hit him on the way to the net? What? So uh, of course, like this is, this is why, to be honest, a lot of these general managers, I really believe don't like coming up with too many new ideas because they've learned that new ideas mean endless rules and sub-rules and sub-sub-rules and pretty soon it's so complicated and so convoluted. The, the, The offside thing right now is a perfect example with the instant replay, right? There's just, it's, you think, oh, okay, we can, we can show instant replay. We can go to instant replay to see if a guy was offside. All right, but how much before the play could he be offside? What if the puck had come out, but the play was still on? What if, what if his foot was kind of offside? What if his skate was partially on the... I mean, there's just, it's all these little things. Every rule you add adds 100 different wrinkles. When these guys go into these meetings, and, and, and you know there's an agenda that they get to see before they get there, and when they analyze it, if they were going to sit down and have a beer with you and I and say, you know, I really like this, if, if you could just drop a little truth serum in the beer and you could sit there and they would tell you that, yeah, this is great, but that's not how I've built my team. And so now everybody's building a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Edmonton Oilers because everybody's copycat when they see success. And then you see a rule come in, you go, you know what, that'd be a lot of fun to watch, but holy crap, I'd have to change how I built my team. It's not going to help me. And now I'll get fired. And now these things fly like elephants, right? So it's all about keeping your job. And they're not in the entertainment business. They don't care about the entertainment business. They care about keeping their job and earning a million dollars a year to be a GM, as would you and I. No, I would entirely be about the entertainment, Don. And if I lost all my games but the fans went home happy, I would have been a success. Really? Well, you better keep writing the columns (laughs) and being on the radio. He's not going to make us a GM. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. On the weekend, the Clarkson Cup was awarded. Uh, Montreal won it for the, I don't know how many times. This is, by the way, for those who don't know, this is the championship of the National Women's Hockey League. This is, the Canadian Women's Hockey League, pardon me. Um, This is the high point of other than the Olympics, of Canadian women's hockey in this country. The downside of this is that they had it in Ottawa on the weekend, and the CWHL, not to their credit, to the opposite of their credit, 
didn't announce what the attendance was for the championship. Now, I understand maybe why they didn't. There was apparently close to 4,000 people in the Canadian Tire Centre where the Senators play. Maybe they thought it was embarrassing or something. I still think you have to announce it. I think they blew it with the Vanier Cup by not announcing the attendance back in the fall here in Hamilton. But here's my question for you. We know women's hockey is growing in this country. We know it's growing in the States. We know it's growing around the world. Maybe slower around the world than here and in the States, but it's growing. We know there are tons of girls in this country playing girls hockey and looking up to Laura Fortino and all these people who who play the game. The NBA, 20 years ago, saw what was happening with girls basketball in the States and jumped on board with the WNBA. Now, it's been a mixed bag as far as level of success, for sure. I mean, there have been times when the WNBA has been okay. There's been times when it's been really on the wane, which is kind of where it is right now, I believe. Why is the, the NHL, four teams, the Leafs, the Flames, the Canadians, and the Senators have been involved with this women's hockey league. Why has the NHL as a whole not said, listen, we understand that girls and women are fans of ours. We understand that they are growing the sport. And if you play the sport, you're more inclined to follow teams and become a fan. Why is the NHL not thoroughly and more vigorously jumped on board with women's hockey at this level? Probably, um, I don't, I don't have a definitive answer, but you've asked me a question. I better spit something out of my gullet. Um, I don't know if there are enough, um, women players to have a large enough league to have an impact like the, uh, WNBA. And I don't even necessarily, I'm saying right off the bat that you have to have 31 teams. I'm not saying that, but for the league to jump in and say, look, we, we are going to, in a significant way, support you, not with millions of dollars. We're going to help you out here. We're going to make it work. I'm just surprised they've never really, as a league, as an entire league, gotten behind this. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it it, it would provide, I think, I, I think they would probably think they can get as big a bang for their buck by getting involved in in girls' youth hockey for if you want to get people to start following the game and grab them at the grassroots level like uh, like Tim Hortons do. And I, I, I don't know, I mean, the caliber of hockey – at the Olympics is exciting to watch. Um, but when you start diluting it down badly and you've only got two elite teams, the two elite teams in the world are in North America, but even try and make 10 teams. I mean, there was a league down in the States that I don't know if it's even still operating with mega promises of promotion and TV and everything else. Yeah. See, this is the confusion. One is the NWHL, the, 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 I got to find the proper name now. This one's the CWHL, Canadian Women's Hockey League. Yeah, we're talking it, about. It's pretty and well. There's another run. one, and it is. And 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 my my again, my point is, you're right. I think that you can look and you say it's watered down right now. But if you had the NHL get behind this and say, look, we're going to put in a little bit of money, we're going to help out in some ways. We're going whether it's even by promotion, because I'll tell you something. I would bet you that if I was to do if I was to do a, a, a a poll of a thousand Hamiltonians. Just call them up and say, "Hey, uh, tell me something about the CWHL. Tell me one team that exists in the Canadian Women's Hockey League." Out of those thousand nine hundred and ninety-five, if they were going to get one, it would have to be on a guess. 
People don't know about it. Well, if you phone somebody in Ancaster, they might because of Laura Fortino. But you're right. In essence, you're right. And I don't know if the NHL are on for branding something like that. Now, the NHL are, are, are like the NBA. As a, as a link on their website, as something to just say, hey, you know, this is, this is out there too. You mean it to legitimize it? Yeah, to legitimize it, to give it some sense that, look, we support this league, therefore it's worth your while to take a look. I don't think that takes any fans away from the NHL. Well, I don't think it, it I don't think it redirects people and they go, "Oh, I'm not going to watch the NHL anymore. I'm only going to watch the women's game." But I think it adds something to I it. I think if it was up and coming and they were starting to draw fans and they consistently maybe played at the um, Hershey Center and they were drawing 2500 people a night, they might want to hook their uh, wagon to it. But it it's really struggled to find success. And I think they'd have to pour a lot of money in it to make it look good. And I don't know if they want to. See, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think that there's ways to do this that goes way beyond the money. I think there's ways to do this that goes way beyond the money. It, you, you, as I say, you do it on your website during games. Like in state, in, in arena games, the, um, the Ottawa Senators are one of the teams that has something to do with it. On the screen between games, say, hey, by the way, Saturday, the Ottawa team is playing. Come watch them. 15 second spot for 15 or 16 or 17,000 people in the arena who are now aware that team exists. Yeah, it might help. I, I, I just don't see when you talk about the NHL, I've said before, the NHL is in the business of making money and providing entertainment. And if they don't see the value that, that, that you may see and think, you know what, we can't flog this thing. I don't think this thing works. Then they're not going to see the NHL are used to getting, being involved in premier successful leagues, the uh, the um, you know the OHL, the Western League, the Quebec League, and everything else, they're standalone businesses that have been successful when the National Hockey League wasn't as successful as it is right now. So they're they're attached to those guys, and the fees they pay those teams for developing their product are next to nothing. I don't know why the WNBA did that. I mean, if there was going to be a push for the the for, for the women's league around here, um, you need a WTSN. And they well, there used that, to be, and yeah, that, and that failed. Well, and we look, it's 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 an unpopular thing to talk about. Believe me, I've talked about this at a couple of university classes, and uh, man, you, I, I I'm lucky I got out of there alive after discussing this. But the truth is, you're absolutely right. The truth is that. Women's sports over the last 20 years, when you try to build something big, WTSN, women, they used to be a women's sports illustrated. There was after the women's world cup of soccer in Los Angeles 20 years ago, where, um, what was her name? Who ripped off her shirt and had the sports brought in and, and, Brittany something. and had the famous, famous photo. They started a massive new pro league and that collapsed. There was a women's baseball league. There was another women's basketball league competing with the WNBA. There have been efforts made. There was a volleyball league, a pro women's volleyball league. These things haven't caught on for whatever reason. Well, if you can't sell uh, women's beach volleyball. Not beach you... volleyball, volleyball. Okay. Um, but the point is it has been a challenge for sure. The difference is... The difference is WTSN and WSI had big companies behind them, but the other ones were largely startups that they were on their own. Women, WNBA is the one that has a league behind it, and it's, it has survived to some degree. It's struggled. Most people around here would probably not identify themselves as a WNBA fan. 
Probably couldn't name a team in the WNBA. But in those cities where it exists, there are fan bases, not enormous, but I think the W, I think the NBA looked at it and said, we want to draw female fans to our game. And if someone is a fan of the WNBA, Los Angeles Sparks, probably they will also be a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. If we can get them to be a fan of the game, however we bring them into that fandom, they will ultimately find their way to our league. Here's what I would suggest to you, that the National Hockey League and the NBA both have offices in New York. I'm sure that they play mini golf together or go out for pasta or whatever they do together. And if the WNBA was the sports league of the decade... It's the, not that. No, it is the, definitely not that. And the NBA are saying, now if the NBA are behind closed doors, we don't know how to get ourselves extricated from this. We don't know how to get out. We don't have an exit plan. And wow, don't ever do this. That's the problem. And if that's what in fact is going on, but the NBA don't want to admit defeat, so they carry on with it. Perhaps. The, the NHL is going, wow. Perhaps, but again, the difference is the WNBA actually financially is supported by the NBA. I'm not even talking about... Perhaps today, much to the chagrin of the NBA. Maybe, maybe, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about the NHL using its marketing power that it has. It's And with with the internet now and with in-stadium stuff, that doesn't actually cost anything and yet you can have some kind of an impact on young girls. And and look, I'm with you. If If I'm the NHL, I don't want to do two things. I don't want to start a 31-team women's hockey league because there isn't the depth of talent right now to support that, and you would end up with a very bad league that would fall apart and bleed you money. And two, I don't necessarily want to start pouring millions of dollars into this thing. But there's certainly got to be a way that... There's certainly got to be a way that you can support it as a league. And again, the Canadians have done it, the Leafs have done it, the Flames have done it, the Senators have done it to some degree. Well, how's it working out for them? To those, for those, for that league? Yeah. Like all four of those NHL teams basically sell out every night. So it's. But I don't know. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm talking kind of blankly here because I don't have in front of me and I couldn't find what exactly those teams do for them. When they say support, it could be throwing 25,000 bucks a year and saying, here, just here's a check, as opposed to doing something very obvious and very. I would imagine, I would imagine, but don't know that their, their budgets and schedules and so on are very similar to our leagues. So if somebody threw you $25,000, you'd generally be pretty happy to get it or $50,000. But if those teams are already behind those in, in to some extent and the NHL aren't looking to broaden that scope, that tells you the success rate. Might be one of those things now that we're into it, how do we get out? You always got to have you know an exit strategy. That's, strategy. You're absolutely right. And the other side, though, is, and, and maybe it's pie in the sky, but the other side is there's a lot of things that people, business people or companies invest in to put a little bit of something up front yep. in the chance that you, you you know, it's an interesting one. We got to go to commercial here. You were helping out with something a number of years ago that I don't think it caught on all that well. Not many people did it because they were doubtful, I think. Because it cost a little bit of money and they were doubtful. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. Don was Don helped to do this thing. It was a very unique business proposition. There was this young golfer coming along named Mackenzie Hughes who had a lot of costs involved in playing 
professional in the web.com tour. And you could buy shares in Mackenzie Hughes. And then as he won money, you would earn, if he won money, because there was no guarantee, you would get paid back. Well, how many people did you get to buy into that? I don't know at the end. I mean, there was between six and 10. I mean, what I did is I did the recruiting and explained the business plan and then turned them over to the accountant and the lawyer and their father and so on and so forth. But I, uh, but I bet you talked to a lot more than 10 people and a lot of people said, ah, no, I can't. uh, Some of them looked at it strictly as business and they said, how much do you think I can make? And I said, starting from today's zero. Right. But you had better want to help support Mackenzie Hughes and his dream, and see a Dundas kid play in the in, or the uh, PGA. And if I used to, was very open, said, if that's your dream, to have a guy from your golf course, and, and some of their members come up to me, and some of them said, you know what, I, I would really want to return on my investment. Well, you know what, you better buy bank stock, because this may not be good enough for you and an immediate return. So it was all very upfront, and a lot of really good people did things for the right reasons. But it was very novel. And um, it was his dad's idea. But the idea behind it is, look, if you are someone who has money, and even if you had not asked for money per se, let's say instead of asking for whatever it was, 5,000 bucks or 1,000 bucks or whatever the share was, let's say you had simply said, uh, you came to me and said, Scott, you know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to mention Mackenzie on your show twice a night. So it cost me nothing but I was doing something that would then support him and give him exposure. I maybe couldn't have afforded the $5,000 to buy in, but I could certainly say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do the two mentions. And you know what? And if he strikes it big, if he wins a million dollars, I win, I, I get some sort of payback on there. Then you might say, that's what, I, that's what we're talking about with NHL here. You have it in, stay, in the stands, you ha- or in the on the screen, you have it on their website, and you know, if it hits big, if all of a sudden a whole bunch of girls start finding an interest in this- You can just this, be proud of yourself. You can be proud of yourself, and you can maybe get a little spinoff from it. Let me spin around on the- I know we got to go. I, the Mackenzie Hughes story. Next time you see a picture of Mackenzie Hughes in the Hamilton Spectator, you see him on a golf highlight, and you see the logo on his shirt is the score, that is Hamilton's John Levy, mm-hmm. who runs the score- doing the right thing. And he was the only guy. Being with Mackenzie Hughes as a sponsor when other people didn't know who Mackenzie Hughes was, and he's still with them on the PGA Tour. John's a friend of mine now, and I'm so proud of what good people do, the right thing to start with. And Mackenzie Hughes stayed because I was involved in the deal. That was part of the option to stay if you wanted to, if I make it big, and they're still together. I think it's wonderful. The perfect example though of what I'm talking about, that why I just, I think I'm very surprised the NHL hasn't been somehow, even not financially more involved in this. And some people may think I'm nuts. Some people may say, this is the women's league that no one cares about. I think there's, it's a, there's a lot of girls playing hockey in this country right now. I'm just surprised they haven't jumped in in some modest way to show their, that they're behind this. Thing. Let me be clear. I think it's a wonderful league and I don't think it's a bad idea, but you asked me about the NHL's no, involvement I, and I wasn't, I'm not trying to dump on that league at all. There's a lot of wonderful young women no, playing and, in that league and it's a great league. And kudos to the four teams, kudos to the four Canadian teams that have in some way, and again, I wish I could speak more clearly, but I don't know, but have somehow gotten involved in some way. I just can't believe that the entire league in a very modest way is not also behind. Anyway. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Don, very quickly, within the next couple of minutes, uh, great, I love this story from this last weekend. Eddie Edwards, remember Eddie Edwards? 
The ski jumper, the British ski jumper from the Calgary Olympics. I followed Eddie Edwards, Eddie the Eagle, Eddie the down Eagle. the street in Calgary two days after he leapt about 14 feet. Yeah, well, Eddie Edwards was back in Calgary this weekend as part of a promotion thing because um, they're trying to get the Olympics, obviously, the Winter Olympics, back to Calgary, and they brought Eddie in to be the uh, unofficial mascot slash spokesman. He actually jumped, did a jump off the 70-meter hill. It's his first jump in 23 years or something. Oh. I thought he was going to... He almost killed himself the first time. Now he's 53, and they got him jumping off the 70-meter hill. But here's the question, very quickly, because we just have a, a brief time. The Olympic movement has done everything humanly possible to wipe people like Eddie Edwards out of the Olympics. Is that the right thing, or do we want to have the odd? Do we want odds to, important? Do here. we just want to have the absolute very very best, or do we want to have space in the Olympics for someone who is the best of his country, but really putrid otherwise? When I went down the street, I was with the, who, a guy James Villeneuve with Labatt's, who's now the Council General for Canada to California. We thought there had to be one of the Canadian hockey players up there because it was all p- kinds of people milling around as he's going down the street, and it was him. And I think you need those characters and those kind of guys. You need the Jamaican bobsled team just to humanize it so that they're not just pure great big gobs of muscle doing thing to perfection. You know why he was so good? He, and, and I mean, besides the character, the glasses, the whole deal. We said this, I think you, maybe you and I chatted about this right after the last Winter Olympics. Every single event in the Olympics, summer or winter, there should be an average Joe who is yeah, in the field. Yeah, we did talk about it. So that you can compare what the athletes are doing to the average person. When Usain Bolt and Andre DeGrasse run down the track in the 100 meters, they are side by side. You can't get a sense of how fast they are because they're, you're only comparing them to each other. Now throw you onto the 100 meters, and now you're running the 100 meters with Bolt, and he finishes 35 meters at. Now you get a sense. They'll be able to time you with a sand glass. Yeah, but, but, but now they now people get a sense of how fast these guys really are. Eddie Edwards was that guy. I'll give you a better sense. Take take the guy that, that is the top 100-meter sprinter in all of Hamilton and throw him in and see how it is. Because you could say, you know, he's – He's not just an average guy, but it would put it into perspective, I'm sure. Eddie Edwards was the guy that showed how the average guy would do if he had enough cojones to actually go down that hill. Or if you were hammered and said, let's give this a (laughs) whirl. Hold my beer and watch this. (laughs) That that could be it, too. See, I got no problem with with not, not tens and dozens of them. But the odd one, if one of them gets in, Eric Musambani was in the Australian Olympics. He was a swimmer from Equatorial Guinea, almost drowned one time. Uh, again, it became the darling of the games. But but the, but this the high jump that he the the uh, ski jump that he was doing, you could actually physically watch it rather than watch the last guy in the pool. Who did Calgary bring bring back because they want the Olympics again? Eddie the Eagle. End yeah. of story. Only because I think probably the Jamaican bobsled team was busy. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.